0: is it God's plan for us to live a blessed life? Is it God's plan? And what does a blessed life look at? And I want to just, if you're taking notes, you can write this across the top of your page, living a blessed life. Living a blessed life. Just a few weeks ago when I was here, I launched into some concepts there about living a blessed life is based upon number one is our stewardship, the ability to steward with those things that God has laid in our hands. Today, I want to bring a part two to that message from a few weeks ago. But look with me is it God's plan to be blessed? And what does being blessed look like? Let's take them just a journey here through Deuteronomy chapter 28. Come on, if you got your Bibles there, come on, say, I've got my Bible if you got it. Let me hear you. Hey, Amen. Don't come to church without a Bible. But we're going to look at several verses here. I'm just going to take the liberty just to read through this. Deuteronomy chapter 28 for 14 verses. Follow along with me. This is New King James. And it says this, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass that if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and to observe carefully His commands. If you've got a paper Bible or you have the ability there in your digital devices to highlight or circle that, I need you to do that part right there that I just read that I emphasized there. He says, These commands which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Let's look at this. Let's go on a journey here. Verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 3, look at this. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed, verse 4, shall you be the fruit be the fruit of your body. The produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle. Come on, anybody got any cattle around this place? The offsprings of your flocks. What does God's word say? You will be what? Come on, you will be what? Blessed. Verse 5, blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl be. Verse 6, blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Verse 7, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you. Anybody got any enemies in this place today? Anybody got any haters? Probably not out here. He said, it'll cause your enemies to be defeated before your face. Thou shalt come out against you. Come on, one way. Come on, read the rest of that. And flee before you what? Seven ways. Verse 8, the Lord shall command the blessing on you in your storehouses and all which you set your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Come on, Victory Center Church, this land he's given us. Amen. Come on, we're blessed. Verse 9, the Lord, he will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you, what? Come on, look at it. Keep the commands of the Lord your God, walk in his ways. Verse 10, then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. Verse 11, and the Lord will grant you, look at this, what? Plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your... Come on, where's all my cattle farmers at? All my pig farmers, whatever you farm around here, come on. And the increase of your livestock and the produce of your ground. Come on, all the farmers said amen. Thank you for that one farmer there. Come on, all the farmers said amen. 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 And the land which the Lord swore to you, fathers, to give you. Verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens. Oh, hallelujah. Look at this church. To give the rain to your land in its season. Anybody would agree with that? And to bless all the work of your hand, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Verse 13, and the Lord will make you the, come on, read it with me, the head and not the tail. Come on, keep going. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and you are careful to do what else to observe them. Verse 14, let me continue on. So you shall not turn aside from any of these words which I command you this day to the right, to the left, to go after other gods to serve. Then come on, does that through that passage of scripture we just read there, does that give a good display of the blessings of the Lord? Come on, anybody want to sign up for that right there? Anybody want to go on that journey? I don't know about you, but I do. Come on, I want everything I'm putting my hand to to prosper. Come on, I want to be blessed when I'm going in and blessed when I'm going out. Amen. I want to be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Come on, anybody with me? Come on, if I was a farmer, I'd be grabbing hold of that word right there. Come on, if I had cattle, I'd be holding on to that word right there. Amen. So we see in this passage of Scripture God's plan, I believe, for our life. But now this is just something extra here. You can write this down if you'd like. But all the blessings of God, are they are totally dependent and reliant upon you and I walking in obedience to the Word of God. That whole passage, you like, sign me up for that, baby. It all started out there. It says, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord to observe carefully all of His commandments. Amen. Come on, there is blessing in obedience. Y'all, y'all remember when you were a kid at home? Come on, there's a blessing in obedience. Come on, if you had the chores to do when you was at home, there was a blessing and obedience, but there was a curse or there was pain involved where there was disobedience, right? Even Isaiah chapter one says, the willing and the obedient shall eat of the fruit of the land. So let's dive into this concept of being blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Let me give you a definition for blessed. The biblical definition means this. It means divi- divinely or supremely favored. Divinely or supremely favored, it means to be fortunate. Come on, blessed. Come on, look at your name and tell them you're looking at a blessed person right now. Divinely or supremely favored, it means fortunate. And even in the Greek, we see this description of walking the blessing of a believer who is living an enviable life as somebody that people look at and say, what is different about them? There's something about them. That's what it means to be blessed when you go back and look at the meaning of the word blessed. It's really an extension of God's grace upon us. And as we walk with the Lord, his blessings are available for us to walk in. Amen? Come on. We are a blessed people. Let me just help you again, put some perspective on some things here. Because I know there's probably somebody here today, you're like, man, life is hard right now. It's tough. You don't know if you're going to make it. But I believe that we need to shift from a poor me syndrome or a look what I don't have syndrome. to let's celebrate what we do have. Come on, let's celebrate the blessings of God in life. Do you know the average American uh, makes seventy thousand dollars a year? The average—this is average in America right now—seventy thousand dollars a year. So if you're above that, guess what? You're in the top half. If you're in the middle of that, you're in the middle. But you, some of y'all make below. But this is what is interesting to me. So the average American makes seventy thousand dollars a year. But if you make more than forty-five thousand dollars a year, you are in the top. 3% of income earners the top 3% of the richest people on the globe right now. Man, I tell you what, we're rich. You make more than 45,000, guess what? You're in the top 3%. You're in the elite class in this world. But yet we sit around here in our plush American lifestyle and we sit back and complain time and time again. Poor me, poor me. Come on, we're blessed. Come on, somebody say I'm blessed. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him you're blessed. <laughs> We're here blessed people, and we don't even realize the magnitude of the blessings that we walk in so many times. If you would, you can turn over to the book of Genesis, chapter actually chapter 39, the story here. I'm going to take a few moments, and I want to look at a story here, one of my favorite stories of the Bible. It's the story of Joseph. Man, I was even just reading through that this week, and I just, man, I can't wait. You know, I've been, Tammy and I, we've been watching the Chosen series, and now uh season three's anybody been, else been watching the chosen series just great i just love the fictional depiction of the life of jesus there that that dallas jenkins has betrayed and uh seasons uh season three's launching episodes one or two are actually in Gaiman theater let me tell you you guys are blessed come on you live in Gaiman, guess what you're blessed you got a theater i live in enid we don't got no theater we are theater-deprived. Now, I know some of y'all, well, that's not a big deal. But let me tell you, when you're married to a woman that likes to go out for dinner and date nights, to so date, date and movies, you know, we, we, we have to work through those things. But the story of Joseph. Now, the theme of this message today is living the blessed life. So I'm going to look at Joseph here and just pull out some things from the story of Joseph. I'm, I'm really making some assumptions here that many of y'all know the story of Joseph. Joseph was a young boy. He grew up with a lot of brothers and a lot of sisters. Any of y'all the youngest in the family? Any of y'all the spoiled kid? Grew up the spoiled kid? How many spoiled ones did I got? Yeah. Come on, how many of y'all grew up as the oldest one and it was everybody else that was spoiled, right? So let me just kind of just massage that for a minute. How many of y'all was the favorite child? Anybody was the favorite child? How many of y'all were not the favorite child but your other brothers and sisters? yeah. (laughs) Yeah. story of Joseph, the Bible actually tells us. Now, he was the youngest at the time of all these brothers. Now, he had another brother that came along, Benjamin, after him a little bit later. But Joseph, the story of Joseph, the Bible actually tells us there in chapter 37 that Joseph was his father's favorite. The father didn't try to, you know, hide it. You know, we had four kids and my kids are running joke and our kids is uh, still even to this day, they always argue who was the favorite child. You know, the older siblings always think that the youngest was, but, you know, some think it was, you know, our middle child, Brittany. The twins, our older ones, our twins just turned 31, by the way. Those of you all remember when we had the twins out here in Guyman, they're 31 years of age. That doesn't mean we look that old, right? No, thank you for that. Amen. But uh, they always argue that. But in Joseph's family, he was obviously the favorite child. Now, Joseph, young man, just boy, full of life, he was visionary, God gave him a couple different dreams, and these dreams, he just, you know, Joseph was the center point of these dreams, and all of his brothers, and all his family, and both of these dreams that he had was actually bound down to Joseph. Now, Joseph, being a young teenage boy, he really didn't know any better, I mean, he was like, man, he's seen himself in these dreams, he's the hero of the story, family's bowing down to him he tells his brothers the dreams and his brothers do not like it because they're like what do you mean we're gonna bow down to you even his dad he went to dad and said dad i had this dream and dad says joseph do you really think that the whole family is going to bow down to you someday and so joseph was belittled for the dreams that he had and those of you that know the story there was a day that all the brothers took the flocks out had to take them you know, y'all understand this, you cattle guys. They had to send them away ways to get the proper feed for the cattle or the sheep at the time. And so Joseph, dad sends Joseph to go check on the sheep, check on the herds, check on the brothers. The brothers see him coming. Y'all know the rest of the story, what happens? I mean, they're like, see Joseph coming. Like, man, now's the time for some revenge. We're tired of this boy. He's talking about dreams, talking about serving him. He's dad's favorite. Let's just kill him and tell dad, you know, that the wild animals got him. And so, those of you that know the story, I mean, they end up selling, instead of killing him, they end up selling him to uh, the Midianites that took him to Egypt to be a slave. How many of you know that is a bad day for Joseph? How many of y'all know that was a bad day that he didn't see coming? Young boy, a lot of vision, happy-go-lucky, suddenly finds himself in a bad place. Listen, that would be the equivalent in today's standards. That would be the equivalent of you getting kidnapped and sold into sex trafficking, maybe in Mexico. Taken away. I mean, you know, that is a bad day. He did nothing to deserve what he got. Now, those of you who know the story, again. let me just set it up here. So he gets to Egypt. He's taken to the slave market. He sold as a slave to a man of high authority in Pharaoh's government, to Potiphar's house. Again, can you imagine being seventeen years old? Everything he knows taken away. He sold into to slavery. Goes to Potiphar's house. He's a slave in the house. How I many you know? That's life has got, become very unpredictable. Everything that he knew suddenly is gone. But if you would look with me at something that the Bible tells us in this story of Genesis chapter 39, look with me in chapter 39, starts out in verse 2, says this, the Lord was, come on, say it with me, the Lord was what? The Lord was with Joseph. Even in Joseph's trial, the Lord was where? He was with him. Somebody needs to hear that today. In your trial that you're in right now, I want you to know the Lord is with you. You're not forgotten you're not forsaken. Come on, I want you to say this. Say, God is with me. Lord was with Joseph. Look at this. And he was a successful man, New King James Bible says. He was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Isn't that interesting that Joseph being a slave, the Bible said God was with him even as a slave, and what was the result of God being with him? He was successful. Verse 3, his master Look at this, he saw, you might want to underline or circle this, he saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his, in his hand. Now, wait a minute, just a minute, so Potiphar, a worldly man, didn't know God, he's got this young slave in his household, and it says, and he saw that the Lord was with him. Now, let's just think about that for a minute. What do you think that Potiphar saw, and Joseph, do you think he had these, this halo, do you think he had some little angel wings? Do you think an angel came out every morning and said, Potiphar, this is Joseph. I've got a plan for him. I don't think that happened. What was it that Potiphar saw? Hold that thought. Come back to that in just a moment. So Joseph, look at this, verse 4. So Joseph, come on, you got to see this. So Joseph what? read it with me. So Joseph, come on, read it with me. He what? Found favor. Joseph found favor in his sight. And Joseph, what did he do? He served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, he put under his authority. Incredible story. Now, let me just sum up the rest of that story there. So Joseph, he goes from being an entry-level slave, being the new guy on the block. The new hiree in modern day sense, so he is put in charge of the entire household. How many of y'all know that, that, that just doesn't happen? In other words, he comes in just as an entry-level employee. He's now running the business. How many of y'all know that just don't happen? But guess what? Potiphar's wife had the hots for Joseph. The Bible tells us that Joseph was a fine-looking young man. Yeah, kind of like some of our youth here at Victory Center. He was a fine-looking young man. Come look around, and find a fine, you can look, look, and young man say, yeah. Anyway, anyway, now let's still over there. But anyway, he was a fine-looking young man. So Joseph's wife, or Potiphar's wife, had the hots Joseph. She's trying to seduce him, trying to get him into a compromising position. Now, get this: Joseph in a foreign country, mom and dad's not around, nobody knows, his pastor's not around, his youth pastor's not around. But Joseph yet would not compromise his moral standards. He's like, there is absolutely no way I'm going to bed with you. Now, was she just thinking ugly or what? I don't know. But bottom line was this. He said, "Absolutely, I will not compromise my beliefs." So there was one day Joseph in there by himself. Potiphar's wife standing by herself. She's like, ooh, this is an opportunity. So she goes to seduce him. It gets to such the bad point. She is trying to get him, Joseph to get in to bed with her to the point that Joseph, she's got such a grip on him that he has to literally leave his clothes behind just to escape from the house. I mean, there's the original streaker right there. Joseph, woo, look at him go. Right there, man. He's gone. But he ran. He had a high standard for his life that said, I will not compromise. And he ran. So Potiphar's wife, looking at what happened. Uh, I'm bad. And so she says, hey, Joseph, come to rape me. So guess where, where Joseph goes from? He was at Potiphar's house as a slave. Guess where he ends up now? In the prison. In the prison. Did he deserve to be in the prison? No. Life shattered. No, he does not deserve, deserve to be in the prison. But look with me here in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 39. Come on, follow along with me here. Verse 21, it says, but the Lord, come on, was with Joseph, and showed him what? Mercy. He gave him, everybody say the F word there, but gave him what? Favor. He gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who was in the prison. Whatever they did, it was his doing. Verse 23, the, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord, everybody say it with me, was with him and whatever he did. Come on, everybody say it with me. The Lord made it to yeah. prosper. Again, we see it again. The word favor. Favor means this. Favor is God's goodwill. It's his benevolent regard. It's goodwill, the favor of God. Listen to this statement here. I wrote down in my notes. You may want to write it down. One moment of God's favor is better than many days of labor. Come on, give me God's favor. God's favor is better than many days of labor. Come on, when God puts his favor upon us, things happen. There is evidence in our life. Real quickly, three points. If I get to them, with the time we got remaining together. Number one point is this: you can write it down in your notes. God gives us favor for our purpose. Let me say that again for the you that are taking up. God gives us favor for our purpose. Church, let me tell you: you have got an assignment. God has called you to His kingdom. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says we're his workmanship. We're created in his image. We're created by God. And it goes on and says for his work. We are created by God for his work. How many of y'all are saved today and you're excited about it? Let me hear you. Amen. Come on. Is Jesus living big in your life? Salvation is not the end game for your life. It's not the end goal for your life. Salvation is simply the starting point for within what God wants to do in your life. It's the beginning. It's the starting box. There's so much more that God has for us to do. And for that, this is a whole other teaching. I don't have time for today. But you have got an assignment. There's a kingdom assignment that every one of us, church as a whole, Victory Center Church, we have an assignment in this part of Oklahoma. There's an assignment that we're given. Now what God, God calls us to, he equips us for. All right? And part of that is, there is a provision for that, and that's what we call the blessings and the favor of God. I heard one man call the favor of God, he described it as this, it is the attraction of God to you that releases influence through you so that others will supernaturally be drawn to you and trust you, and then you can share the gospel message with them. See, favor draws people to you. It is the evidence in our life that God's hand is up on us. Another person said it this way. It's the irresistible charisma of Christ wrapped around you for a heavenly assignment from God. There is an assignment that we have to fulfill, and God gives us his favor and blessings to accomplish that. Case in point, seven years ago, I believe it was, six to seven years ago, We're over in Enid, man. We're just doing just ministry. And Tammy had this uh, women's night. And so it was during the summertime. We had some guys there that rode motorcycles. And so we decided to ride our motorcycles to Stillwater just to eat there. Stillwater is about 40 minutes from us. And so we drive over there in our motorcycles. We eat at the garage restaurant, just great hamburgers. you never eaten at the garage. Try it out someday. And so we're sitting there, and one of the guys said, you know, Stillwater would really be a great place to have a church, wouldn't it? And I said, yeah, it would, but I've got a real close friend of mine that has a church in Stillwater. That next day, we get up, my friend that has a church in Stillwater calls me up and says, you know what, we've got this branch church, a satellite church in Stillwater. We're changing our vision. We we want to concentrate more in Oklahoma City. Would you be interested in taking that church in Stillwater? In my heart of hearts, I heard the Holy Spirit said, yes, do that. And so he began to unpack all this, and the more he talked about it and what he thought that the transition looked like, I'm like, you know what? That does not sound like God. So I told him, I said, I feel like we should do it, but the terms you're giving me, we're not good with. So I hung out the phone and just put it on the shelf. Well, about three months later, he calls me back and says, listen, I need to do something with this. I've changed the terms. This is the deal. You just take the church you take all the assets, but with the assets, you've got to take the debt that's upon it. He said, the other terms I had, no longer. And I tell you, I felt in my heart of hearts that we we're supposed to do that. And I began to inquire. Uh, one of the first things I do, I, wisdom. I began to inquire a lot of pastors. And they all, every pastor said, it sounds like a good deal, but because of the debt upon that church, said, I said, everybody told me this, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Because the church was indebted, uh, There was deeply in debt. And so, but the more that I prayed about this, what I felt was an assignment from God, the stronger I felt that God say, take the church. And so we began to, again, remember God's favor is for the assignment. So we began to talk to the bank even that had the debt on the church. And the more that we talked to the bank, we're like, I think God's in this. Because in all my life, I've never had a relationship with bankers like I've developed with these bankers. We developed this almost friendship that was more about just expanding the kingdom of God than about business. And so finally I said, you know, we would do this thing, but man, the debt's what scares us. And they said, listen, this is what we'll do. They said, if you will just pay the interest, we, just want, we do not want to foreclose on that church over there. We just want that church to grow and flourish in Stillwater. And I'm like, are you kidding? They said, we'll do whatever you can do. Do it. So, Without a lot of fanfare, without everybody saying, yes, do it, only on a word from God for the assignment we felt like we had for Stillwater, we said, okay, we'll do that. So for five years, we're like, we always knew that this debt was on the church. Every time we talked to the bank about it, they said, you know, this is the debt. It, it, it was like $2.7 million, but it's a $4 million asset. And I'm like, man, there's going to come a day we've got to do something about that. And so, just I could extend the story out, but I've got just some more I want to share with you. Let me just share with what happened about eight months ago. Finally, we sat down with the bank and said, Okay, what, what we have been in Stillwater for over six years now, we're not going anywhere. See, up to that point, we could have easily say, Ah, we're done, and just, just stopped having World Harvest Stillwater. So, we began to have conversations with the bank. <clears throat> now, let me just cut to the chase. Bottom line was this, the bank ended up saying, we will take $600,000 off of that indebtedness and give you 3.75% interest rate if you feel like that's what God's telling you to do. Now, I don't know about you, for a bank to write off $600,000, how many of you know what that's called? You know what I call that? Favor. 3.75% interest on a commercial loan, you know what I call that? Favor. What was that? There's an assignment that God has for us in Stillwater and that was his blessing upon that. Amen? $600,000. Woo, come on. Somebody ought to rejoice about that besides me. Amen. But there's an assignment that God has for you and there's his favor that accompanies that assignment. Now, number two, you can write this down. Number two is this. Our obedience is a key to God's favor. Come on, say my obedience is the key. See, it's our obedience that opens the door to God's favor. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. Look at it, throw it up on the screen real quickly for me, Larry. Proverbs 16, verse 7 says this, When a man's ways, come on, read it with me, please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Do our ways, the way we live our life, the way we conduct our life, does it matter to God? Yes, Yes, it matters. When a man's ways please the Lord... What are our ways? Our ways, I, I could really dive into a whole series on this, but our ways, How, d- d- does your relationship with the Lord matter? Come on, there, there's different levels of relationship, right? Come on, there's, there's different levels of relationship in this room socially, but there's, you know, this woman up here in the front row, I am deeply intimate with her. Some of y'all, I casually know some of y'all have known for a long time, there's different levels. Come on, same way with our walk with God. You can know him as a friend, you can know him as a casual acquaintance, or you can know him as a lover of your life. Come on. We got to go deeper, right? Got to go deeper with him. So, your relationship matters. Let me ask you a question Does your integrity matter? Does your character matter? Does your attitude matter? I believe it does. I believe it does. All these things are critical. Psalms chapter 84, verse 11 says this For the Lord God is our son and our shield, he gives us grace and what glory the lord will withhold look at this no good thing from those who do what is right this is one thing that i'm a little perturbed about a lot of people that call themselves christians today we treat god and we treat our christian walk like a buffet come on anybody like buffets am i the only one who likes buffets come on i got to this age of my life i can't go to buffet Mom called me up last night. We're driving. She said, "You want to meet a Honey's? Go to the barbecue buffet." My flesh is like, woo! Come on now! All you can eat barbecue." That sounds like God to me. But I think you know what? I need to limit myself. But a lot of people treat God that way. Come on, you know what a buffet is like? I'll have some of that. I won't have that. I'll have some of that. Ooh, not that. Come on, we can't treat God that way. God, I'll have this. I'll have your blessings. But obedience? Ah, eh, I'm okay with that. Righteousness, holiness? Eh, I'm not sure about that. Come on, Kim talked a little bit about that last week, didn't she? Come on, all, the Bible says all of our ways. When when, when all of our ways, he says there, um, no good thing will he withhold from those who do what is right. What is right? (laughs) Now let me just circle back to the story of Joseph here, then I'm going to start wrapping this up here. I know I'm a little shorter today. The story of Joseph is an amazing story to me. Do you remember, though, what it said about when he was at Potiphar's and then what he, was at, what he said about he was in prison? He said that the Scripture tells us Potiphar saw something. At the prison, what happened? At the prison, he goes from being an interlevel prisoner to running the prison. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that just happen? I don't think so. I believe there was something about Joseph. There was a work ethic. There was integrity. There was a character. There had to be a good attitude. I've never seen promotion come to anybody with a bad attitude. Parents, have you ever one time had your kids come in with a bad, sucky attitude? And you're like, oh, I want to bless them. Hey, let, let me pay your car payment. Let me gas you up. No, it's the opposite, right? This, this is what I want to drive home today is this. I believe that Joseph did everything that he could do in the natural. And then as his natural lined up with the word of God and the way God does in kingdom business, that God put his super, his favor, his blessings upon the natural. When we, in other words, my third and final point is this we gotta stay in alignment to experience the favor. Gotta stay in alignment. See, it was back in my senior year, the fall of 1985, right here at the Gaiman Tiger football field. We were playing Took and Carry New Mexico that year. I was playing Free Safety. And uh, the was playing uh, and of course free safety plays back a little bit, but up the, the line there, uh, the Took and Carry running back. Uh, broke through the line, and it is just me between him and the end zone. And I knew to stop him that I had to make an incredible open field tackle. And so he's coming at me. I'm running at him, me and him. And I don't know what it was. Either that took him care of running back and saw my massive size of Bradman in the hall, number 12. Or I don't know if that intimidated him or scared him. But about the time that I'm getting ready to just knock his block off, he dives, hits the dirt, and lo and behold, I did not realize Leroy Montano, linebacker, our linebacker, was chasing him from behind. We hit head on. The only thing I remember is these little stars flying around looking up in the sky after that. Now in today's terms, we would have gone, I would have gone into to concussion uh, protocol But back in that day, come on, y'all remember, you just kind of dust yourself up, you got back up. Luckily, I didn't play for the rest of the game, but you know what? Being a tough cowboy from Guyman, Oklahoma, I just shook it off. Next day practice, go on. But when I hit 40 years of age, (laughs) thank you for that. 40 years of age, when I hit 40 years of age, (laughs) (laughs) okay, (laughs) I began to have these excruciating migraine headaches. So I went to the chiropractor, and they took an x-ray of my neck and just showed me damage that had been done in my neck from that encounter that I had that one Friday night out here at the football field. I was out of alignment. And this is what I learned. When you're out of alignment, disalignment causes pain. And I still struggle today with staying in alignment because of the damage that was done back in 1985 right here in Gaiman, Oklahoma. So Gaiman has been a pain in my neck. I guess that's not the way to say it. But it's called a, because of, I was not aligned. Now, how does that apply to us spiritually? There's an alignment that I believe that we have to have in our life to walk in the blessings of God. And the blessings of God, His favor is assigned to not just us, but to the world that God's hand is upon us. His super upon our natural. Now, I believe there's some favor that the Lord wants to release to us here today. There's an assignment primarily that I want you to understand. There's an assignment individually, and there's an assignment corporately as the church. I think about the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, he had an assignment to rebuild the temple back home in Jerusalem. Guess what God gave him favor with the king for the assignment? He had favor. Think of the great story of esther ladies there was an assignment that god had for her to deliver the hebrew children the hebrew people and because of the assignment that he had she had favor with the king think of daniel the favor that he had now what's incredible you look at all these stories every one of them there was a favor upon them but they still had to go through a trial They still had to go through some hardness, some challenging moments. The story of Joseph, just an incredible story. Here he is. He's doing time in prison, has an opportunity. The butler, the baker of Pharaoh, is thrown to prison. Joseph interprets the dreams. The baker's killed. The butler's restored. He tells the butler, I said, hey, when you get back to Pharaoh, would you please tell him about how I've been wrongly accused? Basically, I've been treated unfairly. Guess what the butler does? He forgets about Joseph. Now think back to Joseph. There was something about Joseph that caused God's favor to be upon him. I believe that Joseph wasn't the kind of guy that slept in until 12 o'clock trying to figure out something to do. I believe he was probably the first up, first to work. I don't think Joseph was the kind of guy that clocked in the last second. I don't believe Joseph was the kind of guy like, how much do I have to do just to get by? I believe Joseph was an extra mile guy. Because he did that, God put his favor upon him. And he was exalted everywhere he went. But there came a day, 13 years, Joseph had to live a life of hell. There was a day came, and in a matter of one moment, one day, Joseph, everything that he lost, he went from Potiphar's house as a slave to the prison as a prisoner. One day, though, in a matter of one moment time, he was exalted to the palace. Better is God's favor. One moment of God's favor than a thousand days of labor. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victor Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorcenter.org. Thank you.